Konnichiwa! And howdy, y'all. I'm Leslie. And I'm Laurie. And Welcome to, to Sumo Kaboom! Where we talk about all things sumo. Yeah, that's right. And this week we are talking about, we're talking about the big boys. <laughs> this week, the big boys of sumo in the past, the big boys of sumo now. That's right. We just thought we'd do a little series. We'd do the big boys this week and the small boys next that's week. That's right. The big and smalls of sumo. Yeah. But first, newsflash. All right. April 14th, Kota Yuki retired and now will have a new name. It is Kimigahama. He started back in 2018. He made it up to Jirio by 2011, Makauchi by January 2013. He suffered quite a few injuries in his elbows and his knees, and that kind of bumped him around rank-wise for a while. But he finally made it up to the highest position of Sekiwaki in 2017. Congratulations, Kota Yuki. We will miss your sideburns. We'll miss your hoot. We'll miss your hoot. Yeah. Who, he's the hooter. He's Well, he had to stop hooting because Hakaho Hakaho like, didn't like the hoot. He didn't. He was like, <laughs> you sound like a dog. But I like the hoot. I always loved it. I know. He changed it to like a helicopter arms, I think, or something like that afterwards. And then the crowds were like. We're like, we don't like you as much. Well, they would do the hoot instead of him. Ooh. Which I kind of like. But anyway, good luck. He's going to go on to be a coach. So we will continue to see him hopefully in a blue jacket. Yeah. And hopefully he'll be hooting on the sidelines for other people. That's right. He'll be hooting into his retirement. Yep. All right. Well, not that any of us could go, but the fall tours in September and November have officially been canceled due to coronavirus. So we won't be seeing our guys travel all over Japan. I oh, well. miss it. I, I miss the pictures. Exactly. Not like I've ever been there, but I miss all the images that come from those things. The guys are probably thrilled to have the time off and to not have to sit in a bus for so long. Yeah. But I miss the great photos that come yeah, from them. I do too. Well, this one we were talking about before we started recording, but it's kind of confusing to me. But apparently Hako is not going to be able to keep his elder stock past five years. Well, it's been proposed. It's been proposed. But there was this big old Yahoo of a meeting between all the powers that be. And they are essentially saying that due to the fact that foreign wrestlers need to understand Japanese sumo culture better, they're not going to allow people to hold on to their name indefinitely. So Hakaho, being the greatest of all time, is not going to be able to keep his name forever. It's just really strange timing to be like, oh, we're going to change this rule right now, right before the greatest of all time is about to retire. And he wants to become a coach and he is the winningest of all time. But it's just a good time right now to just go ahead and change that rule to make sure that no foreign wrestlers can really hold on to their name past five years. Anyway, and this is one we're, we're really trying hard to understand from far away. Like this is one that's um, like when you read the translation, it's a little hard to follow. So we have been talking about this and going, are we understanding this correctly or are we not? It seems like it's been proposed, but it hasn't been passed. But it seems like there's a a lot of recommendation. Well, and it has a lot to do with the politics of old JSA and And how they feel about having a foreigner dominate. And all of the coaches, if you think about some of the coaches that are great coaches, I mean, you've got. Musashimaru, you've got Koto Oshu, you've got Mongolian coaches. The fact that they had this meeting, the fact that they discussed this, the undercurrent is that they don't 
want foreign wrestlers dominating the sport for all time. Even though they're already there, they're already coaching, they're already doing a great job, but there's something in that, that they want to keep it only Japanese. It's a little confusing, but it also helps to understand why Hakaho bought some elder stock in the past that had a name that came along with it. Maybe he foresaw this coming. Maybe. And that he's like, okay, fine. I'll just have this other name and... Yeah, we always thought it was a backup, but maybe he knew that this was coming. Like, everything about it is just really, just really hard to understand from far away, but we're doing our best. Right. But what we can get is that it's a slight. It seems like a seems slight like it, to yeah. Hakaho. So, and revealed how they feel about him kind of being their greatest of all time. The fact that he's not Japanese. But oh, well. <laughs> it's confusing. Well, we're trying to understand it. Yeah, we're trying to understand it. Yeah. All right. Um, I really enjoyed a picture of Toyonoshima, who is a former wrestler. You would recognize him. He kicked off the Olympic, not the very first leg of the race, but he went home to his hometown of Sukomo in Kochi Prefecture, and he has a special Olympic tracksuit on, and he carried the torch. He ran for 200 meters, which he said was not easy. <laughs> Is he, a, is he a big guy? Yeah. He trembled at the end because his arm was like, oh, my God, this is heavy. <laughs> but he wanted to change it to the other hand, but he said he didn't because he thought it would be rude. I don't know. Maybe the torch is heavy, but it was kind of neat to see that. Like, all this talk about the Olympics possibly being canceled. We're like, no, we're seeing it in action. The torch is being relayed. And it was fun to see, like, a picture of a sumo wrestler in a tracksuit. It was great. So Simple pleasures. Simple pleasures. There is right now going on a special joint Keiko practice from April 19th to the 22nd. And Shodai was there. He got crushed by Asano Yama on day one. Three wins, 12 losses. And, you know, you can't always, you, you can't look into this. It's just practice. Yeah. You know. And there's um, going to be more of this. There's the going to be come. more. Yeah. But the, I looked at some of the pictures and Nishikigi, Onosho, Mitakiyumi, Wakataka Kage, Ishiura, Meisei, Ichinojo, Yago, and more were there. <laughs> like Keep going down the list. Well, those are the ones I could recognize. But we'll see quite a few more faces over the next couple of days. So it's fun. That is all I've got. All right. All right. Big boys. Big boys. Big men, small men. As we mentioned before, we're doing a two-part series on the big and the small wrestlers and sumo, the bigs and smalls. One thing that I've just noticed after watching all the sumo is that often the hardest thing about sumo, to me it seems, is how each man chooses to use his body going up against a variety of other body types, so often dissimilar from their own. It's almost impossible to think how one would even know how their body moves up against someone big or someone very small in a short bout lasting only a second or two, but I guess that's what sumo wrestlers do all day. Long, like when they're practicing, they're like, how do I know what to do in this split second? But the extremes of the sport, very big and very small, interest me greatly because these men are often presented big challenges due to their extreme body type. For instance, how Inho fights Ichinojo. And now Inho is what, 5'6? Ichinojo is 6'4. It's just drastically different versus Inho and Ishiura or Tedetsuyoshi at 5'6", yeah. 5'7". Five, five, you know, one would think that would be a very different bout. For instance, Kaisei at 6'4", fights Aoyama at 6'3", mm-hmm. very differently than he would go up against Midori Fuji, who is 5'7". And there's just been many athletes throughout history who've accomplished great things despite their physicality that they were born with. And that's not to say that that's a big downside. For instance, there was a long distance runner. His name was Jake Batchelor, and he was in the Olympics 
from 1968, I guess, to 1972. He was six foot seven. Six, well, it may not make sense. He would have really long legs. Well, yeah, but it just is unusual because most people aren't that tall who do long distance running. Now, I know you would think they would go into basketball. Right. This guy didn't, but he went to the Olympics. Another one, and you remember her. I'm sure you remember her. Everybody remembers her, I guess. I, or maybe it's just me that I'm obsessed about her. Do you remember the Russian um, Svetlana Horkina from the gymnastics team um, no. from Russia? I'm sorry, I don't. <laughs> she was, I, you she set like that up perfectly great... for me to go, nope, I have no idea. <laughs> she is considered one of the greatest gymnasts of all time, and yeah. she is she was. She's not dead. She's alive. She's 5'5". Five, five. When you think about the average gymnast height is... Oh, they're all tiny, aren't they? I mean, Simone Biles, I think she's like 4'10". Oh, like this girl was tall. She was huge like... compared to them. And I remember seeing them in the <laughs> okay, lineup. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. looks like a bunch of 12-year-olds. And then there's and then this, this woman. <laughs> and she is in the same uni- like same uniform. And she was like... I remember watching her because she was so mean to her. Like she was demanding to her own team, like her own Russian team. The thing is about her is Wait, that... Wait, what? Demanding in what yeah, way? Yeah, she would yell at them if they didn't have a good floor from or bar. Side from lines? the side She'd be like, yo, suck! Are you sure she wasn't saying, Just, yes, go for it in no. her Russian accent? No, 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 because when you read her Wikipedia page, it also mentions that. Often thought as demanding. Oh. And it's because <laughs> all of the cuts from that Olympics were just like evil faces from her towards her own scared teammates oh, who were that's, like, oh. that's no good. The thing was, she was the best of the best. Her coach had to kind of create routines and ways for her to practice because she was so much taller, but she kind of created her own path. There are more techniques named after her than any other gymnast. So because now she was so tall at 5'5". Five five. Well, no, because she was such an incredible gymnast. And then she oh. created all these new techniques. And then all the other gymnasts were like, oh, crap. She's really good. I want to learn how to do the Horkina 5 on the, I don't know what it's called. The Horkina 5. <laughs> the Horkina 5 on the bars. But she I created it. I love the Horkina it. 5. It's almost as good as the Horkina 6. <laughs> anyway, she was a big, big deal. But she blazed her own path. And she had a body type that in the very beginning, people were like, you can't be a gymnast. You're 5'5". Five, five. You can't. You have to be smaller. The average is 5'1 or shorter. Like most of the gymnasts are 4'11", 4'8", 4'9". They're teens. Well, yeah, because they're doing all those turns in the air. you got to be small you to gotta get them all small, in. got to be small. I always wonder, her. does the sport affect your body or does the body affect your sport? Probably a little of both. Oh, yeah, both. I don't know. Especially when you're training like uh, from childhood. Yeah. It affects how your body develops. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, that's very true. Yeah. Because whenever the girls that stop gym... Is this podcast about gymnastics today yes. or is it about <laughs> the big boys in gymnastics which is Svetlana Horchata number six <laughs> Svetlana Horchata <laughs> by the way she did have like a villainous name Svetlana Korkina <laughs> She was beautiful, by it's the way. It's only because all Russian names sound villainous to they us in do, America. Because, because all of our movies yes. have <laughs> evil Russians. And there's so many lovely, lovely Russians out there. Wouldn't you love to see a movie that's, you know, like all about... A evil gymnast? Well, no. Well, <laughs> I was going to say like a movie where people were rescuing people from Auschwitz and they're all from like Russia and Germany. So they have all of those accents that we've traditionally heard as villainous, but they're doing really wonderful things. Wouldn't that yes. be a great thing to watch? It would be a great thing to watch. Yeah. Hollywood, I hope you're listening. Yeah. We want to have more kind, 
<laughs> we want we want Just Russians overall. to be per- portrayed in a kinder, nicer way. Yes. That's all we're saying. Yes. Thanks for listening, Hollywood. <laughs> okay. But anyway, it seems to be for some of these body types, it's almost like a mathematical equation for sumo wrestlers, I would think, to figure out in the moment the laws of gravity and how their bodies size up to work against other wrestlers. For the major pluses of being tall, you unfortunately have, I don't know, like further to fall. You're more susceptible to attacks from below, right? And then you. Somebody could tie up your knees. Right. Somebody could get at your knees. Right. And then, like, you literally can't get low enough down under a really tiny guy to lift them up. It's just hard in some ways. But then on the other side of it, you've got these long arms. You've just probably got more force. You could really pound somebody away with your strength and your, your, yeah, your brute strength. Can I offer a bizarre example? Yeah. I love bizarre examples. (laughs) Yes. One time I was hired as a dancer in a show mm-hmm. and the choreographer was tiny she okay. was like she's like five feet tall so, and Laurie's five nine so that's yeah, tiny five, to you yeah so maybe she was four eight she was like so tiny she was teen she yeah she seemed like half my size and all of her choreography was like down to the ground up down around turn and it was all super fast and it was way too fast for my long-legged body <laughs> i was like i am working as hard as How i can, can I get down to try to get to all the play and she got so frustrated with me yeah, because her body doesn't work it just like hers. wouldn't yeah just would not move the way hers wanted to and she was like, let me work with you like outside of practice. And I was like, I am really trying as hard as I can here. I just cannot move as fast as you can. Well, right. I'm I'm just so much taller. I, I think for a sumo wrestler, it's just got to be a large part of every practice. Just trying to use your brain to figure out these things in a split second. The ideal sumo body type, though, is what is it like a long torso, a super strong trunk? Like you got to have legs for days. Okay. <laughs> Um, most of the Yokozuna, the higher ranked guys, 6'2 to 6'4, that kind of seems where some of them have landed. That seems to be like what is ideal. Yet there have been others that have been just as good who have not had that body type. But I want to introduce you to some of the best of the years who perhaps fought big in an unusually big body. And there has been success at every body type. But let's celebrate right now the biggest of the past. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom, boom. Because big is beautiful. Big is beautiful. Now, one one thing I noticed as I did all this research is that height has actually always been there. It just seems that weight, a lot of weight, seemed to be more of a factor in the last 50 or 60 years. Yeah. Like Akibono from Hawaii, Kotoshu, they're actually very tall, six eight. Yeah. Which is like a like a basketball center in a Mawashi. But you put weight behind it like Akimonos, and then that's like fighting a brick wall. Yeah. So of the more recent years, the tallest has been Akibono, Kotoshu from Bulgaria. Now, some of the heaviest, we have Konishki. He's number two on the list, and he made it to Ozeki, and he was 628 pounds. Mm-hmm. But Japanese wrestler Yamamoto Yama, who made it to Maegashira 9, was the heaviest Japanese wrestler, and he weighed 584 pounds. But then the list mostly goes on the top 40 to have a lot of foreign wrestlers. Musashimaru at 522, he became a Yokozuna. Mongolian Ichinojo is a shrimp compared at 500 pounds, but he's made it to Sekiwaki. Which we'll talk about later. Yes, we will. Aoyama, Kaisei, they're both mid-400s. So it seems that weight seems to be a factor, but more 
in recent history. Throughout history, if you go back and you look at like ye old days, a lot of these guys didn't have the weight. So I, I wonder as far as injuries go, I don't know, it's just something to look into. They all seem to get injured at some point, but yeah. do they get more injured now that we have height and weight versus just height? I don't know. Well, anyway. See, see I go to how is it lately that we've learned how to put on so much weight? Is that just a change in our food, a is change it in science? our diet? Is, is it science that yeah. tells you or is it just coaches going, weight is the most important thing, so put on as much of it as you can? I don't know. I don't have the answer to that question. I just wonder. I do, too. Well, the original Yokozuna, we've talked about him before. He's possibly fictitious. His name is Akashi Shigenosuke, and he was rumored to be 8 feet 6 inches. I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was. He was supposed to weigh 406 pounds. Now, he's considered the that original. small right. now, doesn't it? Doesn't it? He was active from 1624 to 1643, but we think that that was like an exaggeration. We don't know. It's just like this. He's the original, so we're going to make him larger than life. <laughs> Something about it just seems a little off at eight foot six. But then again, I don't know. Yeah. Because this is now 200 years later, still 1850s, 1827 to 1850. We have a wrestler who is not fictional and he was a subject of many ukiyo-e. By the way, last week I pronounced, I, we pronounce it like a dum-dum ukiyo-e, but it's ukiyo-e prince. Anyway, there's a million ukiyo-e prince about this guy. His name was Ikuzuki and he was seven foot five. This is 1850. How tall is the guy who plays Chewbacca? Oh, it's like 7'11 or something. I don't know. I'm making that up. <laughs> He's really tall. Yeah. He died, didn't he? Died. Yeah. In my brain, I have to connect it with something that I'm familiar with. Well, this so guy... So I'm wondering, is is he Chewbacca tall? Or He's is he like taller? Lurch tall. Lurch tall. Perfect. Okay. okay. It, was <laughs> Perfect. A t- it was like a TV... <laughs> Well, I am going to mention him because I actually did write down why we should know Lurch, but it's all coming. It's all going to make sense okay. now. But he was seven foot five and he was one of the most well-known wrestlers of his time. And I understand, obviously, he was huge for a Japanese person. And there is a shrine dedicated to him where you can put your hand up against like an imprint of his hand. And um, the story about him, though, is that he was born to a fisherman and his wife. And before he was born, his mother had a dream about a giant whale. And then when this kid came out, he was twice the size of like a normal baby. So bless her heart. Yep. (laughs) He wanted to help his father in the fishing business, but he was just like, too big and they were like kid I'm sorry dad i'm too big to fish he too Can't big you just like, see that? he was in a tiny boat and they were like kid i know you want to help but like you're Go too big in the water. so but then also with some of these stories there's an exaggeration of yeah. just how strong this kid was but you did get a sense that from a very early age this kid he would help bring the boat into shore there was this tug of war in which he won him on the shore in the sand versus some tugboat out in the bay i don't know but anyway the stories about this guy like paul bunyan-esque yes yes you know he he was very popular once he did go into sumo they were like kid we got to find something for you to do because i think fishing is like not your calling and he was enormous so he went into the onagawa stable in 1843 and he went up and up and up once he started sumo ladies were very drawn to him he was in 12 Makauchi tournaments between 1844 and 1850, although that number's kind of disputed, he died at age 23 or 24 due to a vitamin deficiency that can cause heart failure or, this is all over, every report I found, syphilis. Oh. <laughs> he died of syphilis. Maybe that's why they were like, he was popular with the ladies, and then he yeah. died of syphilis. Well, but then, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. It Everything does... about that makes sense. I mean, they say that's why the Van Gogh brothers died. Well, they say Went that's crazy? why the older Van Gogh brother died so young. Is he um, one syphilis wait, crazy? which one's older? Van Gogh is older and the younger... Yeah. I didn't know he had a brother. <laughs> yeah, he has a brother. He had a brother. <laughs> Did he do what? Van, Van I just Go- know the no. original Van Gogh. The, yeah, the Van Gogh died. Which is, his, it's pronounced think, Van Gogh, I heard. Oh, well, then I'm way off. But he had, I think it was a younger brother and he died like within a year or two that van gogh died because of syphilis well syphilis was rampant yeah it took out many a random side on syphilis (laughs) all the syphilitic information you could possibly want come to sumo kaboom yeah who knew we were going to get into syphilis today yeah well i have my theories about his height okay because it is extremely unusual um this guy also died and and it was also rumored that that they had to take the roof to get him out and then I was like, well, take that... him up and over a wall. I was like, did he die vertically? Like, did they have to yeah. take him? <laughs> Why couldn't you anyway. take him through a doorway, no That's... matter how tall he is? That was my thought. But Unless then again, big. legend. Who okay. knows? Okay. okay. Another huge guy from history. That was that was that guy. Sorry, okay. What that was... was his name? Oh, his name. Syphilis Man. Syphilis Man. Ikuziki. Ikuziki. Syphilis man. Okay. Well, let's not Unfortunately, remember him. Unfortunately, okay, the tall sumo wrestler. Yeah, that's his legacy, but sadly, it's not. He was a great sumo wrestler. Lifted out of a house after he died. Yes, these okay. are the things you should remember. Yeah. Okay, the, another huge guy from history, this was quite a bit later, but his name was Mitsuo Noda, and he wrestled from 1940 to 1854, and he came in- Wait, what? 1940 to 1954. Okay, so this you is just the, said to 1854. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'm not good so, with numbers. 1940 to 1954. Okay. Yeah. He came in around 214 centimeters, which is seven feet tall. He was wow. 286 pounds. So he oh, was rather skinny. skinny. Yeah. But he was really good at throwing and lifting wrestlers up and out. And he was in the Makauchi division for 19 tournaments between 1945 and 52. There were two tournaments a year back then. He made it all the way up to Sekiwaki. So these are Japanese guys. Shortly after that, though, a wrestler named Aochiyama... Like Aochiyama? Aochiyama. He was six, seven and a half and 337 pounds. He wrestled from 1944 to 56. He made it all the way up to Ozeki, which I'd never heard of this guy Hmm. in 56. He wrestled with Futabayama Stable, later known as Tokitsukaze Stable. And he was, this is from Wikipedia, he was known for his strong and flexible legs and his speed. And he went on to become a coach, operated Chankonabe restaurant, and even had a spell of time working on TV. So when I think of all the wrestlers of all time, my research just found numerous Japanese wrestlers throughout history before actually the big wave of big Hawaiians that seemed to come in the late 90s or the 90s. And if you had a big kid in ye old days, you might have sent him to sumo school. And some of these men, including Aochiyama, had, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this. the best name ever. Aochiyama, yeah. Like a mountain of ouchies. (laughs) So good. That's the best sumo wrestler name. Aochiyama. Well, he had the same disease that Andre the Giant and Lurch had was acromegaly. Acromegaly, which is a pituitary gland. It's excess growth hormone on your pituitary gland. Yeah. Like it creates a pronounced forehead, hands and feet, lower voice. You've seen it. But anyway, it's kind of like turning lemons into lemonade. It's like if you've got somebody who happens to be big and usually big for the Mm -hmm. time, Mm -hmm. then put them into sumo. So let's talk, though, about 
the heaviest wrestlers. Like I mentioned, none of these seem to come from ye old days. It always seems to kind of come in the last 50 or 60 years. You would think it was it was started by Takamiyama, who came from uh, Hawaii, and he wrestled from 1964 to 84. He was 6'3", so he was still quite tall, but like I said, he was around 450 pounds. He also went on to own his own stable, the Azumazeki stable, and went on to coach Akibono and... Takami Sakari, who was our favorite robot, mm-hmm. like pump up guy. And his style for this wrestler, this very large wrestler, was a bit reliant on brute strength and height. So he he is kind of known as not having much of a fight on the belt. He went more for doing what he did well, which is force outs and the push outs, which for a lot of these heavy guys, most of their wins, like over 50%, mm-hmm. were force outs mm-hmm. and pure brute strength. So you see that kind of trickle down in what we watch today, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. with some of these big guys that rely on that. So most people think of Takamiyama as being one of the biggest, the original biggies. But Japanese Yokozuna Onokuni, he beat the wave of Hawaiians in the 1990s. He was one of the first big Japanese wrestlers at 6'2 and 448. And he even gained weight up to 463, but he ended up suffering more injuries when he was a little bit heavier. So I think it's always interesting to think, oh, we think the Hawaiians brought over all this weight. It was like, no, the Japanese had the height and the weight Hmm. prior to this big, you know, wave that came in in the 90s, which is still consistent today. We have a lot of bigger wrestlers today. Yeah. They're hovering at heavier weights and they're taller. What did you find? I looked into two of the heaviest wrestlers that we have currently in the top division. And I thought, like when I initially thought about all the current wrestlers, I thought, oh, the biggest guys are Ichinojo and Aoyama. I'll be looking into them. But actually, when I looked at the numbers, it's Ichinojo and Kaisei. Kaisei? What, yeah. Kaisei is like 5'6'4"? Um, interestingly, both of these guys are not at their heaviest weight right now. So they've been heavier. Hmm. But I think it's one of those issues where they've uh, they've had more injuries when they've been heavier. Mm-hmm. So they're a little slimmer now than they maybe not ever have. But well, Ichinojo took some weight off. Yeah, definitely. It, we saw a difference in his wrestling when yeah. he did as well. Yep. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So Kaisei is 6'4". Ayama is 6'3". So Kaisei is the tallest. Mm-hmm. Ichinojo is an inch shorter and a little heavier. I think Ichinojo is like 6'8", in my opinion. He I know. He's huge. I know, doesn't he? I don't know he? why we think Ichinojo is enormous. I, I mean, he's big. Well, he he is the heaviest one out there right now. But I always put Aoyama in. I don't know why I didn't realize Kaize is as tall as he is. I would have thought Aoyama was taller, but who knows? Our brains do funny things. But I just wanted to look a little bit into their background and find out more about who they are as people and where mm-hmm. they came from. Mm-hmm. Because they're... Both of these guys are kind of in the middle of the pack. We haven't done a highlight episode on either one of them. So I thought it would be interesting. Yes. Agreed. Okay. Ichinojo. Ichinojo was born in 1993. Oh, the year I graduated high school. Uh, Well, yeah. Isn't that freaky? (laughs) (laughs) I like to look at the retired wrestlers who look retired and then find out that they're 10 years younger than me. I'm like, oh my God, I'm old. (laughs) I'm old. I'm old. Well, Ichinojo is the very first Mongolian wrestler to come from a nomadic clan, not from the city. The rest of these Mongolians are city boys, but he comes from a nomadic tribe. So So he was like riding horses like as a toddler. Yes. Imagine, you know, when you think of like Mongolian wide open spaces and the yurts and the mountains and the grasslands, that 
is where Ichinojo comes from. It's horse people. Those yes. are nomadic horse people. He, Beautiful. as a kid, he was raising sheep. He was raising goats. He drank two liters of raw horse milk per day. He was that kind of kid. Really loved riding horses. Didn't go to school much because he was part of this nomadic tribe. As a kid, he was really involved in bulk, if that's how you say it. You know, that Mongolian traditional wrestling that's B-O-H-K. Yeah. Anyway, however you say it. He was really involved with that. At age 14, he took the championship in his province that he comes from, Arkhangai. So he was a really good wrestler from early on. He was actually scouted in Mongolia for a high school sumo club in Japan. That's really known for harsh training, but for really good, solid training for Mm. high school boys. And they're like, this kid, he's been living on the plains. He can handle this. Well, interestingly, his first coach said, you know, Ichinojo, he was always quiet. He was a kind, quiet kid. But that thigh thickness, oh my lord, that was amazing. (laughs) So, yeah, good old thick thighs. Thick thighs. Good for him. I guess when you ride a lot of horses growing up, you get big thick thighs. And that's really good. Well, because you're clinching onto the horse as you ride. Yes. And that's really good for sumo wrestling. He actually still looks like that. Doesn't he? Yeah, he does. His leg structure does look like that. Yeah. I don't think he's been riding any horses lately, but... (laughs) Maybe. Who knows? It would have to be a large horse, but... <laughs> would be. Could be. It could be. Yeah. Anything's possible. Be. That's right. So he moved to Japan to train at this Japanese high school that had this really good sumo team. He didn't show much aptitude for school, mm-hmm. obviously, because probably he hadn't done very much school. Well, he's also like, I'm here to sumo. Yeah. That's what I'm here <laughs> so, for. Let me just do that. So initially, when he came to Japan, he was on the judo team. Oh. So the coaches wanted him. Super skinny too. Yes, he and there's great photos out there of him skinny, and you're like, wow, what kid is this? Yeah, it doesn't even look like his face, but it doesn't look like him. Yeah, the coaches were like, you know, you're really good. We want you for the sumo team. We we think you have exactly what it takes for the sumo, but you have got to concentrate on the Japanese because you're not going to go far if you don't learn Japanese. You just have to. Right. And so he buckled down. I think they threatened actually to send him back home at this point. They were going to wow. they were like we're going to send you back to Mongolia unless you learn more Japanese. And so he buckled down and he started really focusing on the sumo and the Japanese and within 2 years he won 5 amateur titles just completely smoking the other kids wow. in sumo club and Terunofuji was in that same sumo club. Oh really? Yes. <laughs> so he was smoking Terunofuji at that age. After graduation, he decided not to go into professional sumo wrestling just yet because he was enjoying his high school team so much that he stayed on to coach for a year. Really? Yeah, before he went into the professional league of sumo. He joined professional sumo in January of 2014. He entered as the highest ranked person in his stable. You know how stables can take only one foreign person? He had earned so many titles in high school that when he came in to start with the stable, he was the highest ranked person in that entire stable. Can you imagine how awkward that must have been? Like, here's the new kid, and he's the highest ranked. And he's the best. Ichinojo, once he entered professional wrestling, rose 
through the ranks so quickly that he did not even have time to grow his hair long enough to put into the sumo wrestling hairdo. Yeah. Which is why you'll see photos of him with special prizes with that long hair and it's just slicked back because he just like exploded onto the scene. Isn't it called Chonmage? Yes. Yes. He, in fact... When Ichinojo debuted in the top division, he debuted at Maegashira 10, and he was one of those guys that just showed up and kept winning and winning and winning and winning, and people were like, oh my god, he's going to win this tournament. Uh, he's got a great record. I guess he's fighting Hakaho, because Hakaho's the only other guy that's got a great record at this point, and so he, like, first tournament, fighting Hakaho, lost to Hakaho, but came in runner-up in wow. his very first very highest division. That's amazing. Yeah, I thought so too. After exploding onto the scene like that, uh, he faltered a bit. People say because it was quite stressful to receive so much attention all of a sudden. Yeah. Like that. I imagine it would be. Yeah. Yeah. But he also, he got a case of the shingles. Oh, um, oh which man. I can't imagine. You know what? What? I got a case of the shingles, but I got it because I was super stressed and it's just the um, it's just the chickenpox virus. Chicken pox, yeah. But it, if you catch it in like the first three days and you take like Z-Pack, then you don't get it. And that's what I did. But it's weird because it's like one whole side of your body kind of hurts. Yeah. Imagine trying to do sumo like that. That if would hurt. Wouldn't it? It would hurt twice as much. So he had he had that against him in his next tournament. And he also struggled in 2016 with injuries. He's had major back pain. Basically, he exploded onto the scene and then has had trouble with stress, with shingles, with injuries, knee pain, shoulder pain, back pain. But he has still performed so well. He's won three special prizes. He's had seven Kinboshi. Wow. Seven. So he makes a good living. Yes, he does. Let me tell you a little bit about him personally. His real name is Alton Hoyagen. Alton. Ichinarov or Itinarov. I couldn't quite tell. Ichinarov. Alton. Alton Ichinarov. Or Alton Itinarov. I I think I'm going to enjoy calling him Alton. (laughs) I know. Isn't that great? (laughs) Oh, Alton's on the doyo. (laughs) Who's Alton fighting today? Uh, when may we, say. When last we talked about Ichinojo, remember how we said maybe he takes his girlfriend out to the park and he eats fried chicken underneath the holiday lights? That's at right. Holiday? Yeah. Well, I have since found out that he does love fried chicken. Oh, good. So we absolutely can imagine him eating fried chicken and sweets, which is something else that he likes underneath the holiday lights. He does not like curry, though. Oh, that's too bad. I love curry. I know. I love curry, too. I was thinking we could have a future together with chicken and sweets. I know. Oh, well. For fun, if you wanted to take Ichinojo out on a lovely date, I would suggest archery or basketball because he likes them both. I think I'd probably be better at basketball. But then again, I don't know. I love archery. I bet he's really good at archery. My question was, if a woman has trouble doing archery with big boobs, does a man have trouble doing archery with a big belly? Oh, good point. He is blood type A. Okay. Which means that he's neat, he's earnest, he's well-organized. Okay. He wears contacts. And there's no mention of a girlfriend or partner that we know of yet. yet. But they're all yet. secretive about that. They are. They are very, very secretive. There is like a singer that he's talked about that he likes a lot. Oh, okay. So, so maybe there is some romance. Yeah, there might be some romance. <laughs> Fried chicken, sweets are the way to this man's heart. 
Okay, so that's Ichinojo. Kaisei. This guy's a teddy bear. Okay, that's right. Not only is he big and tall, he's also furry, and he's got a great smile. Now, he Kaisei. He seems like a just real sweet guy. He really, really does, which is why I have to give you his real name right up front. His real name is Ricardo Sugano. <sighs> Ricardo. Ricardo. That makes sense. It does. He looks like a Ricardo. And a Ricardo. Yeah, he's from Brazil. Yeah. He was born in 1986 as a kid. His father forced him to play soccer. And he hated it. He had absolutely no interest in soccer. And he would actually come home from practice crying, poor little (sighs) Ricardo. He loved to wrestle. He's always loved to wrestle. He really excelled at judo in the beginning. And when he was 16, a friend of his father probably said, you know, kid, you're coming home crying after soccer. (laughs) Maybe you should think about sumo. Instead, you seem to be built for sumo because already he was a big kid at age 16. So he looked into it and he was like, oh, I kind of like this. And he won the Brazil Amateur Sumo Competition Championship in the free weight category. Well, it seems like in Brazil, they have a strong tradition of sumo down there, at least on... Stronger than America, yeah. Yeah, like if you look on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we have a lot of clubs that are in Brazil. Yeah, we do. A lot of women too, and I love it. Yeah, So after he won this amateur title, he thought, okay, I'm going to go for this. I'm going to go to Japan and I'm going to try this. Let's see if I've got the goods. So he was introduced to Tomozuna Stable through an acquaintance and he joined that stable in 2006. Now his climb through the ranks was a bit slower Mm -hmm. than Ichinojo's. It took him five years to reach the top division, whereas Ichinojo was there within a year or two, if I'm remembering correctly. He's been in the top division for a long time. He seems to have a good tournament and then a not so good one. He's never ever beaten a Yokozuna, though. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. He's been a Komosubi, he's been a Sekiwake, but he's also struggled with knee injuries, calf injuries, bicep, Mm -hmm. ACL, lateral meniscus, so he's got trouble with his knees. He obtained his Japanese citizenship in 2014, probably signaling he would like to stay in Japan and be a coach. And he got married last year to a normal woman, a little bit younger woman. It would be weird if he said he got married to a very abnormal woman. Well, all it says... (laughs) She's an average girl. It just says ordinary woman of Japanese nationality. Okay. But I think it's it might be someone... She's not a celebrity. Yeah, she's She's not a celebrity. She might even be from another country, but she has Japanese nationality as well. Hmm. Yeah. Well, good. And the reason they got married is because he was dating this girl, you know, long-term dating, but due to the coronavirus infection, it got really difficult to meet her. And so he said, you know what? Let's just do this. Let's just do this. <laughs> Let's just move in together. That way we can see each other. Aw. And I got to say, if you like, I mean, if you like Kaisei, please spend an hour, go online and look at photos of him. Holding because, babies. Oh He's my just God. the cutest. And and even there's all these pictures of him coming up through the ranks, and he's got the most beautiful smile. And you can tell that women adore him. Yeah. More than any other wrestler, there are just images of women flocking around him and taking pictures of them with Ricardo. And and there's just great photos of him, like, holding Coca-Cola cans and things, because I guess he loves Coca-Cola. He drinks, like, two or three of them a day. We need to send him some Cokes. Right? So there's just great, awesome photos of him. Odd things that I learned about him. Evidently, he's a smoker. Oh. Would not have thought that. He really does not like cold weather, really likes grilled meat and video games. All right. 
his grandfather was Japanese. Oh. And he has blood type O, which means he's easygoing. He's optimistic. He said in some interviews that he wishes that he had more of a fighting spirit. You know, you get a sense that he's like, I wish I could just pull that up from somewhere. But he's just too nice. He's just just not wired like that. Yeah. He's known as likable, nice guy. I'd want to have like lunch with him or coffee with him. Oh, totally. Wouldn't he be nice? And he he puts out (laughs) some of the most wonderful seeming interviews. Really, true, like giggling, smiling, laughing, and it's that kind of stuff that just endears everyone to him, I think. Yeah, so he's one of the big boys, uh, Ichinojo, the biggest right now, and hopefully you learn just a little bit about them. That's right. A lot to be said about big guys throughout history. So I guess that's it? Yeah, I think that, oh, we should mention again, though, we are doing a survey. If you go to tinyurl.com slash sumo kaboom, you can fill out a survey. Tell us your ideas for the future. Yeah. We're crowdsourcing. Yeah. We're going to use your responses to fine tune sumo kaboom. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, get some of the interviews that you're wanting to hear. So it will help us out greatly if you do that survey. It's going to be live until the end of April. And you can win $50. But more than anything, you're just going to help us. So thank you, those of you who have done the survey already. We appreciate it. And if you haven't done it yet, do it soon. And I think that's our style of sumo here at Sumo Kaboom. That's right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Sayonara. See y'all later. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 